Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm Brad Alexander, your host and resident beggar who found bread. And I just want others to know where I found it so they too can have their hunger satisfied by the bread of life. This episode, Smoke on the Water. Yeah, a little shout out to Deep Purple. Some Deep Purple reference there for you. One of the most iconic guitar riffs ever opened that song. All right, I'm going to stop because I'm not doing it justice. But it is virtually impossible not to want to break out your air guitar when that song comes on. And Deep Purple had a few iterations over the years. They had some interchangeable parts, uh, four different lead singers, actually. There was Rod Evans and then Glenn Hughes. Um, Ian Gillen was there for a while. And, yeah, even David Coverdale of Whitesnake fame. He sang for Deep Purple for a spell. So, there is your obscure music trivia moment. Smoke on the Water, definitely their most recognizable and popular tune ever. Fashow. But this podcast ain't about the music, my friends. It's about the message, so let's get on to it. Smoke on the Water. A fire in the sky. Very interesting account is recorded in Leviticus chapter 10. Now, up to this point, the last couple of chapters, what's been going on is God's children, and most of the adults, the Hebrews, Israel, if you will, they have spent a week going through tabernacle ceremonies, primarily the priests going through the inaugural week of offerings and sacrifices and worship and so so forth. Chapter 9 starts the next week. It starts on the eighth day after the first week is complete. Chapter 9 covers more offerings and sacrifices made, and it ends with Moses and Aaron entering and then exiting the tent of meeting, and the glory of Adonai appearing to all the people. And the last verse or two talks about a consuming fire that comes from before Adonai. So we pick up in chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. We're looking at Two of Aaron's four sons, and these are members of the priesthood, Nadab and Abihu. So we're going to pick up chapter 10, starting at verse 1. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, and laid incense on it, and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose, and do not tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink. 
you or your sons with you. And when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. When you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever. Throughout your generations, you are to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. You are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. So, heavy stuff going on here. Two of Aaron's sons, priests, Nadab and Abihu, brought unauthorized fire. Strange fire, some versions of the Bible say. They bring this unauthorized fire before Adonai. And then they got dead. So this strange fire must be a serious offense if Yahweh strikes someone dead over it. So the first thing is, the priesthood is really serious. The The Levites were given specific duties and told exactly how to perform them, and that's what they did. We've got the, the common kind of cliche saying that's out there, you had one job, you had one job. Well, yeah, they had one job, and that's exactly what they were supposed to do, and they were supposed to do it specifically as directed, commanded by God. Some of them set up the tabernacle, others tore it down, some uh, carried specific items, utensils for worship, some handled sacrifices, and so on. The priesthood is serious stuff. How God is to be worshipped, serious stuff. He spelled out specifics. One thing he makes very clear throughout Scripture time and again is he did not want to be worshipped in the same manners which pagan gods were worshipped. He spelled out specific instructions as to the priest's requirements for worship. You can see a lot of those in Exodus chapter 30. One of which was a precise recipe for the incense that was to be burned. It was burned as an offering and as worship in the tabernacle and in the temple. And this this precise recipe was so important that if someone copied it, and made some for themselves to burn at their home, they were cut off from the people. Peace out. Even the fire for burning the incense had to come from the fire of the altar where the sacrifices were made. So it appears what has happened here is Nadab and Abihu made their own recipe of incense and perhaps lit their censers, the fire holders, from another fire source. There's also speculation that they may have been intoxicated, which people pick up from what's said in verse 9. We can jump back there. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. So, some people speculate again, that perhaps Nadab and Abihu had a few drinks before before offering this unauthorized fire. And that is a possibility, but it, it can't be confirmed by Scripture. Personally, I think a key to this is found in verse 3. Let's jump back there. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Adonai's holiness, his set-apartness, is revealed by those who are near him. Priests are nearer to him 
than the average person. So God's holiness, his sanctification is to be revealed by those who are near him, and he is to be glorified before all the people. So these priests of Adonai, Nadab and Abihu, attempted, I believe, to set themselves apart, bringing this unauthorized fire. I believe they perhaps thought the recipe, that precise recipe of incense, well, that's what all the priests are going to offer. So we should change ours up a little bit, add a little more of this or a little less of that so that it's distinct, so that, that, that God knows it's from us. And they brought this unauthorized fire. They sought their own glory by doing it their way instead of God's way. Well, they sure are famous now, though, aren't they? I mean, it's kind of like Billy the Kid in the movie Young Guns. I'll make you famous. Yeah, they're not famous for what they were going for. So now Aaron has two remaining sons, and he and those two sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, were commanded not to mourn. They're told to let the house of Israel bewail. Let, let the entire of the congregation of Israel mourn the loss of Nadab and Abihu. But as for Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithmar, they could not mourn. They couldn't loose their hair, tear their clothes, and they had to stay within the tent of meeting because they had the anointing oil of Adonai on them. So this is an account that many modern preachers either just avoid or they brush past it quickly or they attribute it to how things happened in the Old Testament. Listen, God is God from everlasting to everlasting. He does not change. He is the same. Messiah, Jesus, is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the same, and his word endures forever. So what I see in the New Testament, if you must, I see the importance of those who preach and teach and lead worship. And no, they are not the new Levitical priesthood. But Paul says, not many should want to be teachers. Not many should teach because teachers are held to a higher level of accountability. Paul also wrote, no flesh will glory in God's presence. Everything that's done, taught and said has to be about God, not about the personality preaching, not about the individual performing the music and so forth. It is all directed and focused towards God. It's all about him. And again, God is God from everlasting to everlasting. He is the Lord and he changes not. So to say, well, that's an Old Testament type of a thing, that, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Well, that's, that's inaccurate because God is God throughout and this is his word. That page that's in most Bibles that separates the Tanakh from the Brit Hadasha, the Old and New Testament, that page is meaningless. Actually, what that page has become is a stumbling block. I believe it's become a stumbling block to Jew and to Gentile. Well, that stuff's for the Jews and this stuff's for the Gentiles. That's how it's separated. And no, it's not. That page is worthless. And BTW, if what happened with Nadab and Abihu, if that's an Old Testament thing, then you're really going to have to explain to me what happens in Acts chapter 4. After Messiah Yeshua 
has been crucified, resurrected, and and ascended to the Father. After that, Acts chapter 4, and starting in verse 33. Going to jump there real quick. Fairly large chunk of scripture here. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But... A man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds, and brought only a part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold... Was it not at your disposal? Why is it Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Another very heavy moment going on here. And that, folks, that is New Testament judgment, if you will. Because God's judgment is the same. It has not changed. Ananias and Sapphira, they weren't even priests. They weren't commanded to sell their property. They chose to. They weren't commanded to give all the proceeds, but they wanted everyone to believe they did. Once a sacrifice is consecrated, it becomes holy property, if you will. When the priest laid their hands on the head of a lamb or a goat or a bull, That is consecrated. It is holy, set apart, God's property. So what Ananias and Sapphira did was they presented their sacrifice as the whole and withheld what was now rightly holy, God's. They lied to the Spirit and they got dead. God's judgment and justice still happens today. 
Look at Paul's warning regarding the taking of communion in 1 Corinthians 11. We're told to examine ourselves, to eat and drink the bread and the cup in a worthy manner. Because whoever eats and drinks it in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment on himself, not discerning the body of Messiah. He says that's why so many are sick and dying and dead. God's judgment is still real today. And no, maybe we haven't witnessed people dropping dead after passing the offering plate. But judgment still exists in this life. I've heard too many preachers, some of whom I really respect and appreciate. And when it comes to talking about judgment or even curses, could this be a curse? They say, I just don't think God works that way. Seriously? Like, are you kidding me right now? What Bible are you reading? The Andy Stanley wishful thinking version? Because, bro, it's in there. In fact, you can't show me one scripture that backs what you're saying you think isn't how God works. You can't do that. But we see throughout scripture, I mean, you look, start in Genesis 12. God tells Abram, I will bless him who blesses you and I will curse him who curses you. Wait, who's doing what now? God. He blesses and curses. Deuteronomy 28, this entire chapter, I encourage you to read the whole thing because this speaks of blessings and curses. Jump there real quick. Deuteronomy 28. And after speaking of the blessings that come from obedience, what do we read? But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I have commanded you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall you be in your basket and in your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. And it goes on from there. So, really... If there are things you are uncomfortable with in Scripture that you can't reconcile because of your way of thinking, don't ever, don't ever tell people, well, I just don't think that's how God works. You can't say that unless you're going to back it with Scripture in context. Listen, one of the most often quoted and well-known Old Testament scriptures is found in 2 Chronicles, right? 2 Chronicles 7.14. A lot of you know where I'm going. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now it often needs to be pointed out to people that yes, this is in fact talking about God's people repenting from their wicked ways because fairly often we want to blame sinners for all the bad stuff that's going on around us well look what they're doing look at what's going on in our world the devil's running rampant well god spells it out here if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways right so it's it's god's people it's us we need to repent and return to him But that's not my whole point in going to this scripture. So we read that and we focus on that. And many people can quote that scripture 
what do verses 12 and 13 say to bring this into its context? Let's take a look, because this is often skipped. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Wait, who's doing what now? Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. Listen, too, too often we give the devil credit for judgment and curses that we bring on ourselves. These things which come upon us, curses, which God said he will send if we disobey. It all goes back to the original curse of sin found in Genesis. The the curse of sin, which is death. It started from the start. It all goes back there. Listen, the law isn't the curse. It's like saying... The law of the land is is a curse. Well, no, the curse is going to jail if you break the law. Okay, going to prison is definitely a curse, but that curse comes upon you when you break the law. If if judgment and curses don't exist anymore, God's judgment and the curses that come from from disobeying His law, if those don't exist anymore, then explain the crucifixion of Messiah Yeshua to me. Explain the sacrifice of the spotless Lamb of God, Christ Jesus, Yeshua. Well, but Brad, all the curses and judgment were taken away at the cross. Well, then what about Ananias and Sapphira? And again, why does Paul warn believers about judgment? Yes, hallelujah to our Father and our King, Avinu Malkenu, hallelujah to him, because eternal judgment, eternal death passes over those who belong to him through Messiah Yeshua. But folks, we still face consequences here on earth for our actions, for our disobedience or our obedience. We deal with blessings and curses. Do you think this current pandemic that we're dealing with is a blessing? Or is it the devil's work? Listen, Judgment and curses here on earth, they have a purpose. The purpose of those things is to cause people to return to Adonai. That's why those things happen upon us. I can tell you this right now, I am dealing with something personal. I have something that I am dealing with right now due to financial disobedience to God. I did not obey what I know he called me to do in a situation. And I am dealing with a cursed purchase, if you will. And I have, I have, and I continue to repent for this disobedience. And I'm praying for God's mercy to lift this burden from me. And I'll ask you to do the same, please, on my behalf, if you would pray for that. But disobedience still has consequences, and I'm dealing with those consequences. And I pray, again, that God would choose to be merciful to me in this. If he does not, I'm the one who did it. 
I was disobedient, and these are the consequences I'm facing. And for, for, for those of you who are out there, the, the name it and claim it crowd, the blab it, grab it clowns out there who say, well, well, no, just speak God's prosperity and blessing over it. Listen, Mr. Wizard, God's not going to bless and prosper what he did not sanction. And, and again, we've gone down this road before. The, the riches of this world are not God's riches, okay? If you think that the possessions and money that we gather here on earth are God's riches, wow, we sell the king of the universe way short, if that's what we think, these trinkets and this junk that will turn to ash and dust, if we think that's God's riches, grow up. Sorry, was that a little strong? Okay. But uh, listen, and... Wow, we started talking about unauthorized fire, strange fire, smoke on the water, and, and this strange incense, and we ended up here. So what I want to say is this. Give God what he desires and what he requires. As for Ananias and Sapphira, what we can apply to our lives is this. We're supposed to present ourselves a living sacrifice to Adonai. So with that in mind, we should hold nothing of that sacrifice back. If we are presenting ourselves to him, we are saying this sacrifice, this offering is now holy, set apart for Adonai. Withhold nothing. We either make him Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Make him Lord of all. Thank you, our Father and King, for what you have done through the sacrifice of Messiah Yeshua. You reconcile us to you through him. Thank you for that. Father, help us to follow him, putting our hands to the plow and never looking back. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time. I really appreciate it. Take time, dig through these things, study them out. And uh, most of all, as you know, I'm, I'm a beggar who found bread. And the bread is the bread of life, Messiah, Yeshua, Christ Jesus. It's all about following him, living the life to which we are called to live as we follow the way, Messiah, Yeshua. Thanks. I appreciate your time. Now you go out and give him heaven. <laughs>